Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Happy Brewers Outlet Day, everybody. That means it is Friday, and today's show is brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine cooler, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And the pickle bars, indeed, second to none, led by the barrels and the dills. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Proud to be with you in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. On the show today will be Gary Dolphin, the play-by-play voice of Iowa football. We'll also hear from Matt Leon on the Eagles game this weekend. My brother with his picks at the end of the show today. And uh, a little refresher from our good friend Tony Knopp, the CEO of Spotlight Ticket Management. It's all coming up on today's show as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. The autumn wind is a pirate blustering in from sea. The only way it should be is with a new Ford truck from SMC. Four city blocks of new Fords. Over 40,000 new trucks sold. There's only one place. One place you ought to be in September for your new Ford. It's Sunbury Motors Ford. During the annual September new truck sale. Choose from over 100 new Ford trucks with F-150 starting as low as $23,994. Pick from 55 new 2017 Ford Escapes priced from just 19380 SMC has over 275 new Fords with savings up to $13,500. And every new Ford is clearly marked with an orange sales sign, meaning the lowest prices of the year. Plus, there's 0% financing for up to 72 months on many models. SMC is where you want to be for the annual September truck sale at Sunbury Motors Ford in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza and at sunburymotors.com. True refreshment can come in many forms but it can only be found in one place the beverage supermarket brewers outlet in sunbury along with their great selection of beer including imports and microbrews they have lots of water soda fresh roasted peanuts and an unbelievable variety of pickles at the pickle bar look for great deals on wine coolers and your favorite snacks too Get true refreshment all in one place. The Beverage Supermarket. Brewers Outlet in Sunbury. Welcome back. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury. The Beverage Supermarket imports domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine cooler, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and out every day and all together now. The pickle bar is second to none. Well said, everybody. Led by the barrels and the dills. It's all at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Stock up for the weekend right now. In the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Shikalimi football tonight at Williamsport at 7 o'clock. Kevin Huran, the coach, Dick Hort on the air with their great broadcast beginning at 6.30 this evening. Tomorrow, by the way, Bucknell at home. Okay, should be an important one coming up tomorrow with Sacred Heart. 
You'll hear that in Eagle 107 coming up tomorrow. All right, Doug and Kevin with that one. Penn State football tomorrow night, 7.30 at Kinnick Stadium in Iowa. Uh, we're on beginning with the pregame show, the Deaton Watson tailgate show, beginning at 6 o'clock tomorrow evening here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Eagles in action, taking on the Giants this weekend. You're on Eagle 107 on Sunday with Merrill Reese, Mike Quick. Matt Leon, KYW in Philadelphia, joins us. Matt, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Hello there. Well, they go on the sh- you go they go on the road, play Kansas City. What do you think of the overall performance? Uh, uneven. Uh, I thought there were positives to take out of it. Thought there were also uh, alarming mistakes and some weaknesses were exposed. But uh, all in all, I thought it was a solid showing and a very difficult venue against a team that is uh, sneaky good that uh, may uh, may finally be ready to step up from that pretty good realm up into an elite realm. Now, I want to ask you about Kansas City because I felt, and I think I said this to you last week when we were doing the show, I felt that one something that was seemingly lost at times in the win they had over the Patriots is that there was so much talk about the Patriots that not enough people talked about Kansas City. Now you've had really two good looks at them. What do you think of them? Uh, I, mean, I think they're very impressive. Alex Smith is playing as well as I've ever seen Alex Smith play. And you really kind of look all around on offense, and they've got weapons everywhere. Uh, everywhere. Kareem Hunt has uh, really played well as a rookie. I think now five touchdowns in two games. Uh, Travis Kelsey is a difference maker at tight end. Uh, he's probably half a step below Gronkowski. Uh, but if they were to funnel the ball to him, uh, it's really just hard to stop. But what you see with the Chiefs now doing with him is not only are they – utilizing him as a you know a traditional tight end but uh, he scored a touchdown yesterday on a shovel pass which you don't see with the tight end very often i think at least once against new england they ran him out of the backfield on the kind of a jet sweep type look uh obviously tyreek hill who was quiet yesterday eagles did a pretty good job of uh, keeping him in check but uh, he can change plays with on change games on one play so they've got weapons all over they've got a quarterback that doesn't make mistakes and can get the ball where it needs to be and uh, on defense, their pass rush is good. The very injury at safety is going to hurt them a lot in the long haul. I mean, you know, I think you'll start to see some teams start to take advantage. And the Eagles had success uh, throwing the football uh, for the most part yesterday. But uh, they can do a lot of things. If they can tighten up a little bit in the secondary, and it doesn't have to be great. It just has to be pretty good. Uh, they're going to be a force in the AFC. All right. Back to the Eagles now. They're in the division where yesterday Dallas was beaten rather soundly by Denver. Washington did bounce back and beat the Rams. We just talked about the Eagles. The Giants will play tonight. And the best the Giants can do is make it a four-way tie after two weeks. That's the best they can do out of it. So what kind of advantage do you think anybody has in this division because nobody at the moment appears to have the field to take the division? Yeah, I think it, it's wide, wide open right now. I think kind of the wild card here is I'm interested to see if Odell Beckham is able to go tonight, Right. what what that does to the Giants, because they were terrible against Dallas. I mean, they were they were so non-threatening on offense. Uh, you know, they had nobody that could make any kind of a play. Uh, so I'll be interested if, if they get Beckham back tonight or whenever they get Beckham back. If that transforms things because all of a sudden with a guy like him on the field, uh, the offense makes a lot more sense. Uh, Washington didn't impress me last week. Uh, I saw parts of their game against the Rams didn't really impress me in that one. Uh, you know, I don't think St. Louis is very good. They did have some success running the ball, which is unusual for the Redskins. Uh, but uh, they 
strangely enough, struggled throwing the ball, and uh, they had a hard time stopping Todd Gurley. I don't know what to make of Dallas yet. Um, I think that's a difficult place to go into yesterday in Denver uh, and take it for what it is, but there was that, what was it, an hour delay yes. uh, late late in the first quarter. And that, that, you know, right or wrongly, that can kind of, throw teams out of whack when you're you're standing around like that because it just gets you out of rhythm. I don't think they were winning the game anyway. But, uh, you know, I think if, uh, obviously there's still some things to be determined with uh, Ezekiel Elliott as far as uh, what's in the courtrooms now and the off-the-field issues, which are disturbing. But as far as on the field, as long as he's on there and they've got him and they've got Prescott who, you know, plays a good game at quarterback and obviously Des Bryant and Jason Witten who obviously doesn't age. Uh, along with that, uh, you know, top-flight offensive line, they're going to be able to do things offensively. I think their defense is mediocre at best. They've they've lost some guys to some uh, suspensions and stuff like that. Uh, I don't think their defense is anything to write home about. You're going to be able to score points against yeah. them. So again, the bottom line is, I think this division is wide open. I think the Eagles have as best a chance. I might put the Eagles right behind Dallas as far as. Uh, you know, the top two teams uh, with a caveat of what we see from the Giants tonight because uh, obviously things can change week to week. But uh, I think the Eagles are are better than the Redskins as they saw week one, and I think right now they're better than the Giants. Yeah, I mean, the Giants offensively showed nothing in the opening. No, I mean, it, I mean, nothing. Yeah, I mean, uh, Brandon Marshall looked old. Uh, he was yes. non-existent. Yes. Now you get Beckham on the other side, and all of a sudden Marshall becomes maybe a sure-handed release, or you know, underneath release valve and stuff like that. I actually think it makes. Uh, she- I actually think it makes Shepard better more than Marshall. Yeah. And I think the the guy to watch on that Giants offense is their tight end Evan Ingram. Yes. I think he is. He's athletic, first round pick. Uh, he could end up being the number two option behind a healthy Odell Beckham. But uh, you know. At, tough for a tight end to break in as a rookie right away and make a huge impact. But I think as the season goes on, he's a name to watch as far as a guy who could uh, help make that offense make more sense. But the thing that makes no sense to me about the Giants, they haven't had a running back in like a decade, and they seem to do nothing ever to address it. That's right. I agree with you know, that. It true. seems like every, every year they end up with a guy like Paul Perkins, and Shane Vereen, I think, has been there since Jimmy Carter was in office. I mean, it, <laughs> it's just amazing how they don't address the running back situation or how it just doesn't work out. Uh, Injury-wise, a lot of teams have suffered very tough injuries in the first two weeks of the season. You know, we can sit back and analyze whether it's a lack of preseason work or not. Who knows? How are the Eagles physically at this point through two weeks? Are they in better shape than some teams? Are they in tough shape that people don't realize? Uh, what, the problem with them is I don't think they've had anything more or less than any other team, but all their injuries have been concentrated in one area. We saw the cornerback Ronald Darby get hurt week one with the ankle injury, which looked like it was a season ender You know, from the moment you saw it. They haven't said that, and you're starting to hear things thrown around like week to week, four to six weeks. So uh, they might have really dodged the bullet if that comes to, to pass, that he's only out for a, a month or so. And then yesterday they lost uh, a couple of guys in the secondary, Rodney McLeod, the safety, Jalen Watkins, uh, a, a nickel dime back. Uh, neither injury is significant, but if they both can't go against the Giants and you combine that with Darby being out still, all of a sudden you become razor thin in the secondary, and uh, that could uh, create problems if, for instance, a healthy Odell Beckham is ready to go. 
so they haven't been, you know, I would say probably middle of the road as far as injuries are concerned. The problem is they've all kind of funneled into the same column. Jason Lecanfora on CBS Sports wrote a very interesting column today about NFL quarterbacks. And these are the first half stat lines of NFL quarterbacks yesterday. And he did all the research on it. Blake Bortles of Jacksonville, 5 of 12, 41 yards and interception. Jacoby Brissett, Indianapolis, 7 of 15, 73 yards. Kirk Cousins, 9 of 15, 81 yards. Jay Cutler, 13 of 17, 75 yards. Mike Lennon, 13 of 16, 116 yards, two interceptions. Brian Hoyer of the Niners, 8 of 14, 47 yards, one interception. Case Keenum of the Vikings, 6 of 13, 53 yards. Deshaun Kaiser, 6 of 11, 81 yards, one interception. Marcus Mariota, 9 of 18, 80 yards, one interception. Carson Palmer, 11 of 21, 162, one interception. Tyrod Taylor, 5 of 7 for 15 yards. Those quarterbacks, 11 combined, 92 of 159, 761 yards, 4.79 yards per attempt, no touchdowns, seven interceptions. Uh, when you hear those numbers from all those starting quarterbacks in the first half of games, what's the first thing you think of? I think of going out and buying the NFL ticket. I don't know about you because I want to be able to jump around from all these games. Uh, but I, seriously, I, can, I cannot blame you. <laughs> uh, quarterback play. One of the, the the NFL, in my opinion, has gone a slow decline over the years as far as the quality of the product. And I think one of the reasons why the product is not what it was is because of the, the, the struggle at the quarterback position. I mean, you throw out those names, and, you know, we're week two. Those are a lot of those quarterbacks are the types of names you'd expect to hear week 15 when teams are out of it. Yes. These are a lot of these guys are kind of the best a team can do. I know in some of the situations, like Kaiser, you know, he's a rookie trying to start, but, you know, a lot of those guys have been around the bend or on their second, third, fourth team. And there is just a lack of quality quarterbacks to, to take over jobs. Um, and it's tough to watch. I mean, and, and a lot of those numbers aren't because, you know, they run one first offenses where the, the passing game is a second option. You know, you can count on one hand the number of teams that really consider themselves run first attacks. Right. You know, everybody's based on the, the passing attack and, you know, maybe if as things get more intricate, as as thing, you know, the coaching and the offensive play calling goes to a different level, uh, and you've got guys that are only in a system for a few weeks and are called on to start, it uh, it is a tough transition. Uh, I, you know, there's probably a lot of things we can put into this. We can go back to the college game. How many colleges run spread offense where the the whole offense is, you know, we'll just put our athletes against your athletes in space. We're faster, bigger, stronger than you are, and my guy can throw a spiral, so he'll get it to you. And I'm not, you know, ripping any of this. You know, you're doing what works at that level. But you kind of put that together. You put that together with the concussion situation. You put that together with free agency. You put that together with coaches moving around so much that offensive systems change. And you kind of mix all that up with with some other thing, and it kind of gives you this toxic stew of mediocre to bad quarterback play. And it just happens that that's the most important position in the game. Are are they are we finding? either coordinators or head coaches being too careful. You know, the turnover is such a big deal. Are they playing the game too carefully out of that position, not taking it's, chances? It's possible, but you've also got to guess a lot of times they're doing that because they see the guy in practice every day and they know what he's capable of That's and they don't right. want to put too much on his plate. Right. You know, you know, I I think uh, 
it's you just it's just a different game than it was even 10 15 years ago and uh you know poor quarterback play is really the the trigger i can't tell how many games do you look up and you're halfway through the third quarter and it's 6-3 and it's not great defense. It's not a game. Like that Eagles Chiefs game yesterday was 6 3. But you watch that game, the defense has played at a high level until the offense has figured some things out halfway through the third quarter. Mm-hmm. But that happens all over the place uh, in the NFL. And it, it, it just makes it tough to watch. And, it, you know, the NFL ratings have been going down. I'd be fascinated to see what the ratings of the NFL would be in a parallel universe where there was no fantasy football. And, and see right. how many people were watching it for the, the love of the game or the over the sport or enjoyment of the sport and not for how their running back's doing, you know? Right. I, I think it would be interesting. It's interesting because I did spend a segment talking about fantasy football and the positive impact it's having on keeping people interested, especially millennials. Oh, uh, no question. Yeah. Who's, who's watching Tennessee-Jacksonville on a Thursday night in November except, you know, somebody that's got Marcus Mariota on their fantasy team? <laughs> right, exactly. Always a pleasure, sir. Appreciate it very much. Thanks a lot. Talk to you next time. Matt Leon, KYW in Philadelphia. Uh, the Eagles and the Giants. You'll hear it on Eagle 107 coming up on Sunday with Merrill Reese and Mike Quick. Of course, Eagle 107 also is the home of Bucknell football. They've got Sacred Heart at home at Christie coming up tomorrow night. Looking forward to that. And... Uh, High school football tonight, plenty going on around the area. You're Lewisburg on 100.9 The Valley. You're Sealands Grove on Eagle 107 tonight. Uh, you'll also hear Milton tonight at WMLP. And right here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, Shikolemi coming off their big win over Sealands Grove last week will play at Williamsport tonight against the Millionaires at 7 o'clock. And it'll be a 6.30 airtime with uh, Kevin Hur and the coach. Dick Hort. So that'll be coming up this evening. Penn State football tomorrow night at Iowa starting at uh, 6 o'clock with the Deaton Watson Tailgate Show. Kickoff actually is at 7.42 tomorrow night. And by the way, in the area, uh, BTM might be of interest to you tonight because it's an all-Penn State night. Starting at 7 o'clock, it is the premiere of Big Ten Elite the 2016 Nittany Lion football season. That will run from 7 to 8 tonight on BTN. Then Penn State Volleyball tonight at 8 with Nebraska on BTN. And then they'll have a repeat of Big Ten Elite, the 2016 Nittany Lion football season at 10 this evening. So it's an all-Penn State night tonight on BTN if you have an opportunity to check it out if you're not going to a high school football game coming up this evening. And again, tomorrow night, Penn State and Iowa 25th season of Big Ten football for the Nittany Lions will open at Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City. 7.42 the kickoff tomorrow. We're on beginning at 6 o'clock. Today's show being brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury. We're in the Sunbury Motor Studio as we continue. Next hour of the show, Tony Knopp, CEO of Spotlight Ticket Management on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Happy Brewers Outlet Day, everybody. Great to have you with us here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury. The Beverage Supermarket imports domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. 
And the pickle bar is indeed second to none, led by the barrels and the dills, as we all know. And it's great to have Brewers Outlet on with us every week. I just want to let you know, though, that you know you need to stock up for the weekend, and you need to go to Brewers Outlet. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This day in sports history, then Tony Knopp in a few moments. 1905, the 11th U.S. Open, won by Willie Anderson, who shot a 314 at Myopia uh, Club in Massachusetts. Uh, 1911, Cy Young defeats Pittsburgh one to nothing. His final career victory, number five, eleven. All right, uh, 1915, the Red Sox asked the Boston Braves to use their ballpark Braves Field for the World Series, which is currently Nickerson Field on the Boston University campus. 1935, the Boston Braves lose a nationally record 110th game of the season en route to 115. Not good. 1959, the White Sox clinched the American League pennant, went on to lose the World Series to the Dodgers. 66, Orioles beat the A's 6-1 to to clinch their first ever American League pennant. They went on to sweep the Dodgers in four straight. 1967, on this date, the Philadelphia Phillies release pitcher Dallas Green, their future Championship winning manager. (laughs) Uh, Also on this date, in uh, 1985, the Cardinals set an unusual streak record by winning 9 of 10 games, each pitched by a different guy. 1987, NFL players go on strike for 24 days. 1987, Red Sox infielder Wade Boggs ties an American League record of 200 hits for five consecutive seasons. 300th career win on this date for Don Shula in 1991, doing so with the Miami Dolphins. And that is this day in sports history, and it is always a pleasure to bring in. Without question on this show, he is an absolute A-list guy, and that is Tony Knopp, the CEO of Spotlight Ticket Management. It is always great to hear you on the other end. How are you, my friend? Uh, it's great to hear you. I hope uh, the youngster can't call baby anymore. I hope the youngster's doing well. She's doing great. She turned two last week. Uh, Time's flying. Time is flying. She's two years old now. Amazing. Yeah. All right. Let's do this by the numbers. USC Texas drew 84,000 on Saturday night. You know where I'm going. And the announced numbers totaled 81,000 between the Rams and the Chargers on Sunday. You live there, so what are we seeing? Or maybe more importantly, what are we not seeing? You know, if you're not living here, you're also not seeing the disparity in coverage. Uh, You have to go out of your way to hear about the Rams and the Chargers. They're just just not around. Uh, The USC-Texas game last week was everywhere. It was on TV, it was on the radio, it was on every form of media in the Los Angeles market. And the Rams and Chargers are an afterthought, even considering the fact that the Rams won their first game rather convincingly and looked pretty good doing it. So the Chargers is even worse. Uh, the stadium was 50% Dolphins fans. Uh, I'm told by many people who were there that it was, it was more than that. And the press already has turned on them. Uh, you know, one of the writers here who gets the most attention, Bill Plaschke, already wrote an article mm-hmm. saying, the Chargers don't belong here. And they're starting to learn that. Um, they even booed uh, when Ladanian Tomlinson talked about the ownership and moving the team to Los Angeles. They got booed in their home stadium. So this is going to go from bad to worse pretty quick. 
In fact, my understanding was the decibel level is about 106 uh, in favor of the Dolphins when they won the game on Sunday. That They actually had more fans. Yeah, uh, and I don't doubt that. And they didn't sell it out. There's only 27,000-ish people that play at StubHub. You've been there. That's where Penn State went in practice. That's right. Um, it's, it's a very small venue that should sell out. You know, I don't think... I think the Rams oversold themselves last year. They had a sellout for the first two games. It was such a terrible game to experience. It was as hot as it can be. They didn't have the tie-in that USC has with their fans in the same building. The Chargers coming a year later without a stadium, you know, the fan base up north doesn't like them. The fan base in San Diego is now protesting. They, they don't really have a home. Uh, you know, just off the cuff, I landed in Los Angeles in the Burbank airport Sunday morning at 8 a.m. coming back from a trip, and it was full of Raider fans flying to Oakland for the Raider game. Mm. This is still a Raider town. No doubt about that. Uh, five years ago, if you and I would have had this conversation. I would have felt, and just privately had told you, I think that two entities that appeared to be bulletproof to me are the NFL and ESPN. Now, here we are five years later. It's my gut feeling that what we're seeing from the NFL as an organization and what we're seeing from ESPN as an organization, they've gone from being so sure of every decision they make to now guessing. Is that Does that have any merit to it, in your opinion? It's poor leadership on the NFL side. The fact that they're extending Roger Goodell is shocking. I mean, yes, you've had, you know, massive growth over the years, but how many years are we going to see excuses for decline in ratings? You know, last year it was the Trump effect. What's the, what's the excuse this year? You know, the Cubs won the World Series last year. That's not a new thing to watch. There's no election, and the numbers are still down, and down significantly, and down even more significantly the demographics that really matter, the 18 to 34 male demographic and the women's demographic, which they had been making headway on for a while. I think it's poor leadership, and I think that they're in trouble. You know, there's always this discussion about how, you know, the game is maybe not as exciting, but that's not the truth. The fact is there's been so much profiteering in sports for so long that this next generation doesn't have the same uh, emotional tie to their teams that you and I do. We didn't, they didn't come up going to games for $3 whenever they wanted to. It's always been $180 to take a family to a game. And I think we're starting to see that happen now. And I think the NFL is something to really worry about. Which then brings me again to something we've talked about before, the millennial question. I feel like that's where they're guessing. What appeals to millennials? And you're around this all the time, Tony. So, A, what does appeal to millennials? And where are they missing because you understand how tickets go and how corporate buys go? Well, where we're very lucky is I don't understand it, right? The reason I do know it is because the brands we work with spend hundred million dollar budgets to try to figure this out, right? Wells Fargo and Verizon and American Express and CDW, these are all customers of ours, and we're in the room seeing what they're doing, seeing who they're sponsoring, and seeing what kind of events they're getting into. Millennials are event-driven. They're live experience-driven. They are not brand-loyal at all. And that's, these brands are understanding that, and so they're understanding that they're not going to gain you know, Steve Jones, the millennial, as a customer for 15 years based on, you know, a campaign that they put together like they used to do in the past. They might get your attention for the next year to 18 months. So they're looking for those things that are going to enable and empower Steve to become a a longer-term customer. And the reality is, you know, the appeal of 
of the way it used to be, right, where we used to watch movies like City Slickers where they go on a diatribe about how I watch baseball with my dad. Go talk to the millennials. They don't have those stories. You and I do. Right. But many of them don't. And that's where these brands are starting to figure it out. And, and it's becoming a – it's not making sports less interesting. What it is doing is it's making the individual players more interesting, and that's creating a loyalty to that, which is really hurting teams that can't win – or in cities that aren't as who aren't as interesting. You are a diehard Tony San Francisco Giants fan. Uh, oh man, we're terrible. Yeah, uh, about and I'm a diehard Boston Red Sox fan. So for us, the the, the loyalty is a fan, which is that brand that you're talking about. I was talking with my class on Monday, and I I wanted to talk to them about fantasy sports. And I wanted to know how many were doing fantasy football, for example. And I said, how do you reconcile a guy that you put on your fantasy team that's then playing against your team? And it does come down to them that the individual, because of fantasy, is more important. I feel like fantasy brings people in to watch and maybe watch games they normally wouldn't watch. But at the same time, I think it's taken away that brand. Is is that how you're seeing it? I think absolutely. You know, it's, it's interesting to see how it all changes when it comes to self um, to self interest, right? I, I, in the business we work in, we have eighty five team partners, and I get a lot of you know comments from my friends because I'll wear the merchandise they give me. I wear a Yankee hat, and people laugh at me. And I, I've lost a lot of the teams that I grew up loving, but I still love the Giants because that's what I grew up watching with my dad, right? And we didn't have fantasy sports. We didn't root against Will Clark and root for somebody on the Yankees. We actually didn't really have the ability to watch the Yankees more than once a week. And that's what it's become. And that's what we were saying about the brand is it's becoming an attachment to the individual, right? Fans are more attached to Russell Wilson than they are the Seahawks. That's a bad example because Seattle is pretty well loved, but nationally that's the case. Mm -hmm. Fans become more attached to Dwayne Wade than they do the Heat. They become more attached to LeBron James and don't care if he goes to the Lakers, they're still going to buy his shoes. So that's what they're seeing, and the brands understand this. And that's why they're going and starting to sponsor more and more, and it's giving the, the players more and more power. But I don't think the NFL has figured out how to work their way around this yet because they still have huge numbers. Everybody plays fantasy football, and that, in my opinion, is what really took football into the stratosphere right. was the invention of something that's the fantasy football game that's so easily digestible as opposed to baseball and basketball, which take half your week to keep up with. And they just haven't figured that out yet. And, you know, people are talking about the head injuries. I think that has something to do with it. But personally, I think Goodell has done such a horrible job with the brand that people just, they're starting to dislike it. And they're starting to see it in that negative eye. And I'm shocked that he's getting extended. Yeah, I, I am too along the way. Is this a case where the NBA and soccer figured it out before anybody else. No, it's Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Uh, Larry Bird and the Celtics, okay? Uh, you know, Rooney and whomever in soccer. Did they figure it out before everybody else that you can put an individual and then put the add-on as the team? I would turn the question to you. Do you think the NBA figured it out, or do you think Nike figured it out? I think Nike figured it out, and, and the NBA then, then jumped on board with what uh, Sonny, uh, Sonny Vaccaro figured out years ago. Exactly. You know, everything we look at in the NBA as far as, and what people don't understand is that's what even the loyalty play is. You know, Nike figured out that this is about a person and an individual as a brand. They also figured out in watching the kids that, you know, AAU leagues are different than the way you and I grew up playing. Right. right. And I was, I was, 
I was a recruited athlete. I played at USC for, you know, for both sports. I was recruited basketball and volleyball. But we didn't travel that much, right? I was on a travel team, that sort of thing. But it's not like it is now where you might live in Athens, Georgia, and you play for a team in Virginia. And you just go and partner with your friends. There's no loyalty to anybody. So the Kevin Durant decision, the super team decision, though our generation may not understand it as much, that's what these kids have been doing their whole lives. And the NBA figured out that, you know what, it doesn't even really matter. Let's just make sure that we're pumping these athletes. And there's this, this description that, you know, we've seen more star power in the NBA than we have in the last two generations, and that's why it's exploding. I would argue that they changed the rules so it's more offensive, and they've done a better job of marketing the players. Right. Yeah, I mean, Le- LeBron, Ronaldo, okay, Durant, you know, I mean, start picking names. I mean, I think those two sports, you know, through Nike, figured out a long time ago, look, <laughs> the name brand out there has got to be the player. If you walked up to almost any fan around the world who is not in, you know, Europe or South America and said, uh, who does Cristiano Ronaldo play for? Is it Atletico Madrid? They'd probably say, yeah, that's it. He plays for Real Madrid, right. like right. you and I know that. Right. But his brand is so strong that even the brand of the football club he plays for, which a lot of people in North America wouldn't enjoy me saying this, is one of the three biggest brands in the world. Absolutely, would get overlooked in favor of him. Absolutely, it is. That, I mean, that that that's that that's a profound statement. That's absolutely accurate. Uh, I want to get to what. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Neymar is the same thing. He just made 275 million pounds in the transfer window to play for PSG. And I guarantee you, if I go on a number of sports shows and ask the callers what PSG stands for, they don't know it means Paris Saint Germain. Right. They have no idea. None whatsoever. And in fact, him being there puts them on the map. Thirty of the NFL teams. Yeah, him him being there puts them on the map. And as a club, they're worth more than probably 25 of the NFL teams. That's right. That's right. Amazing. I have to ask you about a, a merger. It's a media merger. Uh, they'll probably announce it sometime. I don't know if it'll be next this week or next week. IMG and Learfield coming together. Uh, between them, they'll have 200 properties, most of them in college athletics. They'll have all but seven of the, uh, of the Power Five uh, schools under their domain. What does this mean? It probably means nothing for the listener, but what does it mean in the business world because of all the corporate partnerships they sell and so forth? It's a monopoly. Uh, I'll be interested to see if the DOJ allows this. So to basically, to sum this up for the listener, Learfield's a partner of ours. We've known them a long time. And Learfield has actually changed ownership. I think this is the third or fourth time in the last five or six years. The, the bankers have seen the value here. What Learfield does is they go to the college or university and they say, you want to sell on a national level. You want to sell to Nissan. You want to sell to, you know, American Express. You want to sell to these big brands. And it really doesn't make sense for you to go hire an entire sponsorship sales team. Why don't you let us do it? And we can bundle you with the other teams in the Big Ten and start selling bigger deals. So I can go to Nissan and say, hey, sign up for 108 schools. And I can bundle you in and you start getting checks because my sales team's out there doing what they're doing. That's, I mean, that's a really watered-down version of what Learfield and IMG do. Well, Learfield and IMG have always had this co-opetition, right? They respect each other. They actually are partners on a business where they do ticketing services. Uh, they represent 90% of the universities and colleges out there. So the fact that these two are merging means that there's no competition now. Right. If you if you own a company and you want to involve college sports on a broad level, 
you can't say, hey, I'm getting a better deal at Target than I am at Walmart. Right. You basically right. have one place to go, and that's the only place you can go. And, you know, Greg, the CEO, is a great guy, and I, I think that they'll probably navigate the way around this, but I would anticipate the Department of Justice um, looking into this as a monopoly. Yeah, uh, the last time Learfield was sold in this, it was for $1.3 billion, and in all, in all likelihood, the initial that Greg Brown indeed would be the guy. And yeah, you and I both know Greg, so it's I mean he is a great guy, and he's a very smart guy. But it also is a behemoth that he would be running if they get this way, because the total would be about $2 billion between the two of them as to what they're worth. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a massive, a massive undertaking. It'll take them a little while to get these two schools together. But then once they do, they have so much negotiation power, which, you know, that's generally not allowed. Uh, you know, sometimes it's happened. You know, Ticketmaster got away with it. Uh, so we'll see if it happens, and I assume that, you know, they wouldn't be doing this merger if they were confident that there wouldn't be a problem with the DOJ. But, you know, one of their original uh, investors, somebody who actually owned Learfield, I think two ownership groups ago, was Shamrock Capital Partners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't matter to people who don't know who they are. Shamrock is part of the FanDuel DraftKings merger, which just got shut down. Right. So kind of the same thing, right? Really smart guys with a lot of money who looked at this and said, I think we're going to get this through, and then they didn't. So there is still an opportunity here that, you know, the DOJ comes in and says, we're not going to allow this. But if they do, Learfield is a very well-run company that knows what they're doing, and it's, it's going to change the landscape significantly for college sports. And Learfield owns Pacquiolan now, which is the largest college ticketer out there. Yeah, exactly. And there's, there's a, one part that I think they'll try to use to their advantage is the fact that seven Power 5 schools uh, are not under the guise of either IMG or Learfield. Michigan State, USC, they're both Fox. Notre Dame is in there's four. I think Kentucky, I think there's four others. I think they'll use that as well. It's not a complete monopoly. You can, you can see where I'm going. Yeah, but that's, that's awfully difficult, right? You know, if you're, yeah. you know, Steve Jones' car manufacturer, you're going to come compete with Tesla and you want to do something in college. You know, if you say, I don't want to work with Learfield, you're basically left with, you know, seven majors and <laughs> a bunch of minors. That gets you nowhere, right? So true. So true. Oh, we don't talk often enough. Uh, appreciate the time very, very much. There's 18 other topics I had here, but we'll get to them another day. <laughs> Next time we'll talk Pyeongchang because that is a tire fire that is unbelievable in its magnitude. It is going to be the least attended Olympics in history by an order of magnitude. It's going to get real ugly. Yeah, and you know what? And I think it sets the tone for, uh, to me, it's going to put such immense pressure 11 years from now on Los Angeles to be successful by using every connection they have to get money that I'm wondering how much of it's going to be dried up by the time they get there. But we'll see. Tokyo's got to be a hit. It's, a, it's, it's all or nothing for them in Tokyo. Wow. We definitely have to get you back. That That's an entire, that's an entire show right there. <laughs> Tony, thanks so much. Appreciate the time, as always, my friend. My friend. Thank you so much. Good luck this week with the Hawkeyes. Appreciate that, Tony. Appreciate you very much. And we'll get him back on the show to talk about the Olympics in the next month. That's a big topic. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the Beverage Supermarket. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Next hour, Gary Dolphin, the play-by-play voice of Iowa football on News Radio 1070 WKOK.